G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David Brown and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. Today's sermon is the fourth sermon in the Everyday Saints series, and we're looking at the life of Deborah from Judges chapter 4 verses 1 to 10, and also Juliana of Norwich, who was an everyday saint who taught and proclaimed the love of God to her people. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The first reading is from Judges 4, 1 to 10. Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Caesarea, the commander of his army, was based in Harosheth, Hagoyim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinom, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Caesarea, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the river Kishon, and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honour will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Caesarea into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went with him. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today we're into our fourth sermon in our Everyday Saints series. And what has surprised me as we've looked at the lives of these people is how ordinarily ordinary and relatable they've been. And the second thing that surprised me is how God has used these ordinary people, these everyday people, to accomplish extraordinary things. This morning, we're honing in on the stories of two women from history. Deborah, which uh, Sandra read about. um, And by the way, Sandra, you did a great job with words like um, Sisera and Harasheth Hagoyim and um, Ehud. That was a really tricky reading from Judges, but you, you did a fantastic job. So we're looking at the life of Deborah and also the life of Juliana of Norwich. We'll see how God raised up these saints at just the right time in history. Our God is a God who loves using extraordinary, sorry, everyday people at particular points in time to accomplish extraordinary things. Today we're looking at two godly leaders who saw remarkable victories for God and who show us what it means to be an everyday saint. First godly leader is we're going to look at Deborah, a godly leader who comes up against an unconquerable foe. In the first few verses of Judges 4, 
we meet this unconquerable foe. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord told, sold them into the hands of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harasheth Hagoyim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried out to the Lord for help. Last week, we saw how Joshua had led his people, the people of Israel, into the promised land. And they were now living there as 12 separate tribes living in a loose confederacy. And they were united around a promise, which we looked at last week, to serve the Lord. The first two chapters show us how quickly the people renege on their promises. And they ignore God and they ignore God's laws. This divides the country and makes it easy for their enemies to slowly pick off farms and villages. So they cry out to the Lord and the Lord is merciful and he raises up a judge called Ehud. Now judges had two roles. One was to judge between the people and to settle disputes. The other one was to kick out their enemies. And that's exactly what Ehud does. Unfortunately, we see that Ehud can kick out the Canaanites, but he can't solve Israel's deepest problem. It's a sin problem. He sorts out the political problems, but the people relapse back into sin. Enter Sisera, a Canaanite, and he's a commander with 900 chariots. The people of Israel at this time are stuck in the Bronze Age, but the Iron Age is coming up, and Sisera has advanced military hardware. Chariots were the tanks of their day. And Sisera finds it easy to hack down Israelites, to quickly attack their villages, and then withdraw. Because all the Israelites have is sticks and Bronze Age armor. They're no match for these swarms of chariots. The Israelites had rejected God, and now they cry out to him, and God raises up another judge, Deborah. She's a prophetess, meaning she speaks the words of God. Deborah is actually my mum's name. Mum, if you're watching, hello. <laughs> and it means honeybee. She's a wife who sits underneath a palm tree and she resolves disputes just like Ehud did. And she speaks on God's behalf. So do you see the issue here? Sisera with 900 chariots and an army versus Debbie who sits under the palm tree and judges people. Debbie is God's response. How is God going to work through this everyday saints against an unconquerable foe? Now, just in case you thought we were going to get through a sermon without a rugby reference, <laughs> last night, uh, the All Blacks, the mighty All Blacks, took on Argentina. Now, Argentina are a decent team, but they've never beaten the All Blacks. And so the, the battle we have here is kind of like what was going on last night. The mightiest and probably the best team of the last 10 years, maybe even more, taking on a team that has never beaten them before. The Little Honeybees versus the Mighty All Blacks. But God raises up Deborah. 
and he calls Deborah to summon Barak and presents God's battle plan. Barak seems scared and he won't go unless Deborah goes with him. Now, some commentators think that this is because Barak is a coward, but I think it's more than that. Barak knows God is clearly with Deborah. She's one of the only few godly leaders left. And Barak isn't prepared to take on this unconquerable foe without God and God's leader by his side. And sure enough, just like last night in the rugby, we see a victory for the Lord. Deborah agrees and tells Barak in verse 9, Certainly I will go with you, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Now on first reading, we might be tempted to think that it's Deborah's hands that Sisera will be delivered into. But there's another woman living in this man's world who will prove beyond doubt that this victory belongs to the Lord. The two armies meet, Barak and Honeybee, with a handful of backward peasants versus Sisera's crack team of 900 tank chariots and soldiers. The All Blacks versus Argentina. And miraculously, the battle is over before it begins. Because God sends a storm which bogs Sisera's chariots, leaving the commander to run away on foot like a scaredy cat. And you can read all about um, the conquests in Judges chapter 5, verse 4, where it talks about the storm that God sent in order to bog the chariots. And if you read on in chapter 4, this is beyond um, what Sandra read for us, Sisera seems to escape. But the Lord makes sure he won't fight it another day. Sisera flees to his allies, who are the Kenites. They're, um, they're relatives of the Israelites, uh, but they allied themselves with the Canaanites. They're these nomadic people who live in tents. And when he gets to the tent camp, he meets uh, a lone woman called Jael. Jael offers uh, Sisera a refuge in her tent, and she's alone. And it seems like Sisera might take advantage of her. And he tells her what to do. And he uh, gets her to hide him underneath a blanket. And then he says, I'm thirsty. So uh, Jael gets him a drink of milk. And Sisera falls asleep after a hard day of running away and fighting. And Jael does something incredible. And probably very brave. She reaches for a tent peg and a mallet, and she drives the tent peg through Sisera's temple, leaving him dead on the ground. You wouldn't make this stuff up, hey? <laughs> it's a violent end for a violent man, but anyone reading this story is left understanding clearly that the victory belongs to the Lord, just as Deborah said would happen. The Lord delivers this mighty warrior into the hands of a solitary nomadic woman in her tent. God then subdues Israel's enemies and in Judges, Deborah and Barak sing a duet glorifying God for saving them. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage and I encourage you when you get home, maybe check it out. So what are we to make of this story? 
Well, for me, three clear applications emerge. The first thing, everything is going wrong until the Israelites cry out. Nothing is going to change in Israel until they repent and they cry out to the Lord. Again and again in the Old Testament, we see how life falls apart when we live apart from God. But when we cry out to God, God brings deliverance and mercy. Friend, whatever you're going through at the moment, I encourage you to cry out to God and he will get you to the other side. It may not be in the way you expect, but the witness of this story and the whole story of the Bible is that when we humble ourselves and cry out to God, he responds. The next application is to reach out. It's interesting that in Hebrews 11, it's Barak who's described as the hero of the faith. Remember Barak who was too afraid to go into battle unless Honeybee came with him? This is probably because Barak refused to take the glory for himself, but knew it was only with a godly woman and a godly leader by his side that he would overcome his unconquerable foe. Friends, God has given us relationships for a reason. He's given us each other. At a time when nations are being torn apart by infighting and various forces are trying to turn us against our neighbors, we need to see that God uses Deborah, Barak, and Jael, a league of ordinary saints, to do his work. Friends, God is using our church right now to further his purposes, but we need to unite under God if we really want to see God move. We live in an individualistic world of superheroes that says, do it yourself, be independent, stand on your own too. But God wants us to reach out to him and reach out to each other and work together as everyday saints. The final application I want to offer you is that we need to sing out. Throughout Judges 5, the main characters sing praises to God. We need to know that our lives need to be a response of praise to God. We live in a world where singing is something people do professionally or on TV, on the radio. Or perhaps when we're half cut at the footy um, or in karaoke bars or weddings. But God is calling us to be a people who sing out and sing his praises regularly in church on Sunday and then go out and sing God's praises with our whole lives in the world we live in. God has delivered us, so let's sing his praises with our voices and with our lives. Another godly woman who sang God's praises is Juliana or Julian of Norwich. She may have lived 2,500 years after Deborah, but she again saw God triumph over an unconquerable foe. Juliana was born in Norwich in a time of civil war, church corruption, and plague. Around the age of 30, she got sick, really sick, and she almost died. As she lay on her deathbed, she had a vision of Jesus. Thankfully, Juliana survives her illness, and a few years later, 
her husband um, possibly dies, and she goes to live as an anchoress in St. Julian's Church in Norwich. We don't actually know what Juliana's birth name was, but she took on the name of the church where she lived. And she became the feminine version of Julian, Juliana. And she lives in this church in a small room or a cell next to the church until she dies around 1416. As an anchoress, Juliana had people come to her to give her counsel and wise to give counsel and wise advice. Notice the similarities between Deborah and Juliana. Godly women and people come to them for advice and for a word from God. Juliana's cell had three windows. One looked out onto the busy high street of Norwich. Another looked out into the church where she could participate in worship regularly. And the third one looks out into her garden where she can see the beauty of God's creation and she can minister to God's people. From her tiny cell, Juliana sees an unconquerable foe, death. Death is all her, around her, with civil war tearing through England and the Black Death wiping out half the town's population. Could you imagine that? Half of Dolby just wiped out in a couple of months by plague. Sin and death surrounds her little cell, but instead of being overwhelmed by these foes, she engages in battle through prayer. And she writes down the vision that she had in a book called Revelations of Divine Love. Now, while the title of the book may make it sound uh, like a cushy devotional, I can tell you Revelations of Divine Love is not. It was, it was shocking. It's, it's full of blood and visions of hell and visions of sin and the destruction of sin. It's a deeply theological work. And it's divided up into 16 visions showing how Juliana got comfort from God. Her first vision is a vision of the Trinity. And she says, for the Trinity is God. God is the Trinity. The Trinity is our keeper and maker. The Trinity is our everlasting love and our everlasting joy and bliss by our Lord Jesus Christ. She's deeply immersed in the reality of God and of the unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And she shares this glory with whoever will listen. In the first vision, she also gets a vision of a hazelnut in God's hand, this tiny little nut. And she says, in this little thing, I saw three properties. The first is that God made it. The second is that God loves it. And the third is that God keeps it. As she unpacks this vision, she talks about how God holds all of creation in his hands and that while sometimes the world seems to be spinning out of control, God loves it. God keeps it. It's vivid and ancient language, but poetically, Juliana shows us her deep love of the Bible and her deep love for God. She sees Jesus suffering for our sins. But she also sees how the cross is God's ultimate triumph over an unconquerable 
foe. In her third vision, sorry, in her fourth vision, she sees hell destroyed. And she writes this. The precious plenty of his dear worthy blood descended down into hell and burst her bands and delivered all that were there which belongs to the court of heaven. Juliana loves Jesus and she knows that ultimately Jesus' victory on the cross is our victory. In her final revelations, God shows Juliana that while a lot about the world around her is dark and burdened by sin, Jesus is still on the throne and we can still have confidence in Christ and his victory on the cross. In John 6 verse 33, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And this is a a message that Juliana reiterates. And she writes, All shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things will be well. As she's crying out to God on her deathbed, racked by illness, with the world falling down around her, God gives her an overwhelming sense of his love. It's not a sweet, fickle, or shallow love, but it's a deep, reliable conviction that clinging to God is the only way to face the future. Like Deborah, sitting under her palm tree, calling over Barak and saying, take a ragtag army and take on this advanced military hardware of 900 chariots. Juliana writes, Sin is the cause of all this pain. But all shall be well. All shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. In her life, Juliana cries out. She reaches out and she sings out to God. And God hears her cries, showing her the beautiful reality of his love so that she can deliver a message of hope for her people and for us. Juliana spent her days praising God and sharing his love with others. Friends, we live in a world wracked by sin, hardship, death and pain. It's been a hard year with many disappointments. Lots of people are giving up hope that the world will ever be safe, harmonious and predictable again. But both Deborah and Juliana point us to a deeper reality, a higher reality, the reality that God raised Christ from the dead, the reality that God is reconciling all of creation to himself And one day, he's returning to set all wrongs right. Juliana's battle with illness, Deborah and Barak's battle with Sisera are mere skirmishes in God's war against sin and evil. But when everyday saints cry out to God, reach out to each other, and sing out God's praises, We engage in God's wellness project and breathe his wellness into our community. Even while locked in her tiny little cell, 
God used Juliana as an everyday saint to bring healing and hope into the world around her. The question is, how will God use you? How will God use your humble gifts and what you have to work with to accomplish his redemptive purposes? Let's take heart in the knowledge that Christ has overcome the world and live in the confidence that in Christ, while all is not now well, all shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Amen.